This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am here with that snack, Polly Cupcakes. What's going on? Caps fans, we've got an incredible episode for you, as always, this Thursday. Uh, we're live streaming it as we normally do on Sunday, so if you are an OG here, thanks for coming back. If you're new, generally Thursday we either have uh, our segment-based stuff and or a interview, and this Thursday we have quite a good one. We have Andy Hammond coming on, and he is going to be, he's from the Broadway Boys podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, our cousin podcast, I would say. From uh, from the Hockey Podcast Network here, repping the New York Rangers. He's going to be talking about how the Rangers have done this season and if he's surprised or, you know, if he's just like big brain, uh, knew about it the whole time. Uh, you know, we'll never, we never know. We never know with Andy here. I mean, he's a, he's a really good hockey guy and, uh, we can't wait to get into it. So, Polly, I think that we should just kind of pop some tabs if I can get this thing open and, uh, and go for it. I mean, what do you think? Let's do it. All right, hold on. I'm fucking up here. But um, speaking of which, we both had, or you both are coming back from a uh, a quick uh, family thing, and I think that you should probably tell everybody what a sprinkle is. <clears throat> uh, sprinkle is a basically a smaller version of a shower, usually for a mother who is having a baby multiple years since the last one. Uh, basically, from my understanding, is once um, kids stuff, like little baby stuff, you've kind of given it away, and then you get pregnant again. Yeah. Boom. There you go. And you get a sprinkle, get get all that new shit. Yeah. That new shit. Well, shout out Katie. Yeah. All right. Let's... <laughs> good segue. <laughs> let's pop some tabs. One, two, three... Ooh, rough start already, dude. Rough start already. Uh, we had, we're heading to the stream here. Andy from the Broadway Boys podcast. Uh, dude, thanks a lot for coming on. And, and, you know, I know, I know we've been trying to get with this for a while. And obviously we are three very, very busy individuals, very important men, you know. So, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, dude. No, thank you for uh, having me. Like you said, it's uh, been a long time coming. It's been a while since we uh, last uh, cohabitated each other's podcast. So I'm excited to be here with uh, you and Paulie and talk some uh, talk some hockey. So yeah, let's get into it. Absolutely. So, so first question. I mean, let everyone know. I mean, explain the name of the podcast. You know, I think that's important. Uh, and then tell us about tell us tell us a little bit about yourself for the refreshers. Because you know we're we're getting a lot of new fans apparently. Oh yeah, no, I mean James and I had someone tech uh, message us from I forget where it was. Was it from uh, Australia or something? Saying they they're a Rangers fan in Australia and they love the podcast. So I mean it's it's wild just to have people reaching out every now and then just from all Nuts. corners of the world. It's which is weird. You wouldn't think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. Hey everyone, my name is Andy. Uh, I am one of the hosts of the Broadway Boys podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering uh, the New York Rangers. Uh, the name is because the, the Rangers are fondly known as the Broadway Blue Shirts. Uh, and also, I uh, 
part of my employment and part of my co-host James' employment is working on Broadway as uh, theatrical teamsters. So we're basically just loading in Broadway shows. And, you know, there was some synergy there. So when we were racking our name about what to call it and obviously Rangers-related puns or hockey-related stuff, that just kind of seemed like uh, an obvious fit. So we went with it. Uh, there is we we did find out we are not the only Broadway boys uh, podcast. There is one that is t- two uh, men or boys, I guess, who uh, review Broadway shows. So uh, we are the Broadway Boys Hockey Podcast. So I'm sure there's many people who are into uh, the fan of the opera or Les Misérables who will try to hear about that and then click on to hear us talking about hockey, and they're very <laughs> disappointed. But uh, <laughs> but um, but you know, uh, listen, I. Yeah. So, uh, but no. So yeah, we it's uh, but yeah, we've been going uh, just like you guys, uh, THPN OGs for the last couple of seasons. Work and uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride. And like I said, it's been pretty cool to see the growth of uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. So yeah, we're we're still loving it as much as ever. Absolutely crazy stuff. And we were just talking about this on the pre-interview, like how far THPN has gone. And uh, shout out Dylan and Ish who have done just an amazing job <clears throat> with getting the network off the ground. I mean, they, they, you know, I got to give it to them. Two young guys that really just were like, fuck it. I'm quitting my day job. It sucks anyways. And I'm just going to try to do this. And for fuck's sake, they did it. Um, so, you know, you might see them as like entrepreneur influencers when they're like millionaire 40 year olds. I hope they don't forget us, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, at the, at the very least, you know, maybe give us uh some free tickets to Canucks games or something. I don't know. Yeah, no doubt. Is, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get right into this hockey talk, man. So, because like, I guess that's that's truly what this podcast is about. Um, you know, walk us through what the Rangers did in the off season, and and what first off, just let me ask you this: what was your sure. what was your prediction for this season? Was it a building season, or were you guys going for it? I mean. Based on the reaction of the owner in in uh, summarily firing Rangers general manager Jeff Gordon and President John Davidson last year, and then short you know shortly before uh, or thereafter, I should say, uh, David Quinn once the season was over, uh, yeah, you could definitely tell that ex- expectations were going to be high going into the season. Um, for me personally, with this roster, I do feel that they should at least be a a uh, playoff team and not I wouldn't say a full a full flight uh, Stanley Cup contender because they're still I think they're still a little bit away from that but I just think even though their younger depth talent is coming along and they have some budding promising young players at the end of the day they're a team that uh, has you have Adam Fox who's coming off of winning the Norris Trophy last year you have Artemi Panarin you have Igor Shosturkin, who uh, is, is proving to be as good as I thought he was, and I think a lot of other people thought he was. And then you have, uh, well, even though it maybe hasn't gone the way he had hoped this season, but you have you know some lethal players like Savannah, Jad, and Kreider. So I think, if anything else, they'd be a, maybe a top-heavy team that ha- that could get to at least make the playoffs by on the back of their star players. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know... Prior to knowing that Gerard Gallant would be coming as the head coach of the Rangers, I didn't think they might be in the position they are now. But uh, I think I'm, Rangers fans are seeing firsthand what what a difference coaching can make, and it's been a while since uh, 
yeah, I think it's been a while since the Rangers have had a coach quite of this caliber. Um, sure. With this track record, and it's it's definitely so listen, it's it's paying dividends early. I mean, the fact that they're flirting along with teams like uh, the Caps and the, the Florida Panthers with first in the league, and they're they're even in that conversation is wild to me because I do I honestly do think they are probably a a step behind those other teams in terms of but you know again they're they're very young a lot of their depth players now who are on the second in their middle six are all of 20 to 22 years old so they still have some some growth uh, ahead of them but yeah i mean they're definitely they're definitely over you know exceeding my expectations although i did expect them to at least be in contention to to get into the playoffs but i was at first i was thinking a wild card spot but again, the season's early, so who knows? It could still be there. But at least uh, a quarter of the way through, they're they're in the conversation as near the top of the league. So I'm obviously thrilled. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of our, our, our podcast counterparts uh, wanted to get a lot of, and you know, I'll admit, if we were better prepared and uh, better at our jobs here at the Hockey Podcast Network, we probably would have scheduled interviews and had pre-season predictions and, and got some hype going, but. I kind of like doing this like 20 to 30 games in to see like, cause now we have like some shit, some real shit to talk about. And you know, oh, absolutely. hockey troll keeps it real all the time. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Real and raw. <laughs> but, um, okay. So walk us through the off season and, and, and kind of how those players are, are going. Cause I know that you especially are, are super involved in, uh, you know, not just prospects for the Rangers, but prospects league wide, uh, we've had, obviously, uh, for the first time in probably a decade, a large showing of our own prospects uh, and, and depth in the minor league system. But the Rangers, on the other hand, you know, what do they do in the offseason and, and what are you looking at as far as how their on-ice on performance thus far has gone? So I think with, like I had mentioned early, making those firings early in the year, the, the mandate was cl- clearly to get uh, be tougher to play against. And obviously everyone you know talks about oh you know the rangers and and the tom wilson situation but if you actually ask most rangers beat writers who were around the situation they say it was more some losses against the islanders where they just look the rangers look totally outclassed and were pushed around and had no pushback you know and i think at that last the last game against uh the caps and tom wilson that was almost that was almost like a distillation of everything that was had been going on. It was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Sure. Obviously. So, so yeah. So, obviously, the mandate was to get tougher to play against. They, uh, knowing that they're going to have a lot of uh, cap um, allocated to some of their upcoming contracts, they knew they, were, they would not be able to afford to pay a guy like Pavel Buchnevich, so they trade him. Uh, Chris Drury trades him to St. Louis for Sammy Blay in a second, and... Uh, it was a much maligned move at the time, and I think it. Although Sammy Blake quickly kind of showed that, even though he was seen maybe in St. Louis as a young, trying you know a young, maybe a grittier player, a bottom six guy trying to put the pieces together, he definitely started flashing some skill early on, where you saw that there there's elements to his game he could unlock, and he could end up being a pretty good. Uh, yeah, a, a, a middle six to top six player with some grit and some skill who throws hits, but obviously he his season was cut short and he's out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL due to a potential 
Slewfoot by PK Subban that was never really, you know, it's still the, <laughs> the, the 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 verdict's still out on whether it was or it wasn't or if it was accidental. Uh, I'm not going to comment on it. I just it was, you know, I'm just going to say it seems to ha- follow that guy around. But you know, so that's unfortunate. And obviously, Buchnevich is having an excellent season for St. Louis. He's playing. Uh, you know, I think it's. I think I still think it was probably the wrong move to make. But I'll, I will say this, you know, they obviously give, uh, they uh, pay Barkley Goodrow all that money. They bring in Ryan Reeves. Uh, they make some pretty shrewd finds and guys like Dryden Hunt as uh, some energy jump guys. And, you know, they, they choose not to uh, expose Kevin Rooney to the Seattle Kraken, instead expose Colin Blackwell and some other people. And, uh, yeah, and I think one of the biggest reasons – that they're having success is because last year under David Quinn and the last few seasons, the Rangers have just kind of been rolling their team out, but no one really knew what their job was or what their role was, or if they were a top six player or a bottom six player. And uh, in, in subsequent in- interviews, it really has come out in the press and whether European guys, once they go back to their home countries and they leaked to the press over there, or even some shaded comments from some of the vets on the Rangers that there was clearly a, they tuned the coach out. They didn't know, he was a bit of a micromanager coming from being a college coach and they're professionals and they were just tired of it. And no one really knew what they were supposed to be doing. Well, now under Turk, uh, Gerard Gallant, everyone knows what their role is. The fourth line is an energy jump line. The kid line now, which is uh, Lafreniere, um, Philip Heedle, and uh, Julian Gauthier are a similar em- energy line, but they also play with a little bit of skill. Then you have Panarin, Strom, and... Uh, Dryden Hunt on the second line, just and Panarin Strom have been a duo in the league since Panarin at least got to uh, the New York Rangers and they've had some success. And then, yeah, you have Kreider, Zibanejad, and Kako, uh, Kako, excuse me, Kapo Kako on the first line. And yeah, and that's the thing. Even with when some of the youngsters were struggling, uh, Galan has, uh, hasn't just jumbled his lines and then demoted them. He's just kind of let them find their confidence. So Kako is playing much better. Hence, he finds himself on the first line now and. Uh, yeah, so everyone, I guess to make a long-winded sh- uh, story short, I think it just the Rangers players know what their job is when they're on the ice now, and their coach is not as much of a micromanager, and lo and behold, they play better and feel less pressure. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up the coaching, and you've alluded to it twice now. Um, you know, and you, you brought up a great point. I can't remember a coach with clout since Torts, uh, I think. Well, and then what? You had uh, Vigneault, right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> those two guys, um, It's it, it has been a while, you know. But the real question is, do you miss those those deep baby blues behind the bench just staring, you know, daggers into you? Uh, you know, I, I actually – listen, I, I David Quinn gets a lot of flack, but he – I don't think he was that bad of a guy. He seemed like he was a real nice guy. I just think – his uh his comportment and his mindset for for an NHL coach was kind of off. I mean, they brought him in to be a developmental coach because they had uh, a, a lot of rookies on the roster and young guys. But right. again, they're still professionals. They're still a lot of them were coming over from uh, playing in men's leagues in other countries. So to to micromanage and and they would say all this stuff like they weren't allowed to if they were on breakaways and they were on two on ones they weren't allowed to stick handle and all this weird stuff. Like, that is weird. I didn't know it, that. <laughs> yeah. This is all stuff that came out in the press subsequently from some of the players that he had all these weird – he had a bunch of weird rules about things he didn't want you to do. And you can't tell – like, players are going to play their game. You can say – you can maybe put it to them like, hey, listen, like, you know, if you do this, 
if you stick hand, whatever, if you, I don't know. I just, it just seems to me that he was really coaching a lot of creativity. He's trying to teach them how to be pros, but yeah, I don't know. Whereas I think it's just something that it comes with reps a lot easier. And Gerard Gallant, I've seen so much more progress from the younger guys, basically just, just by getting put in situations as opposed to being like, you, you do these things, drills and practice, and then I put you on the ice. And if I don't see progress immediately, I, I demote you or you get right. benched or that thing, which a lot of coaches are guilty of in, in the National Hockey League. They don't sure. trust their younger players. And meanwhile, even if a guy has a bad shift or coughs up a puck on a turnover, he's out there the next shift, you know? Yeah. And it's, I, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's, and Gerard. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it, I was just going to say, it's like trying to build your resume without any getting any shot at actual experience, right? You know, I'm sure that any any millennial out there is listening right now uh, is is <laughs> super, uh, super involved in, in this situation, right? I mean, it just seems like kind of an outdated way of thinking and really unrealistic. I, I did not know that about David Quinn, you know, and that just goes to show you, you know, sometimes the most handsome and, and, and beautiful are are kind of psychopaths in the <laughs> behind yeah. closed doors. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, I think that way of coaching is a good way to take away kids' confidence because <clears throat> if you're always playing to not mess up, you're not going to make the great plays. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I so, mean, yeah, I mean, you saying that he was coaching away creativity – Sounds like the perfect way to describe that because they're not robots. You got to let them play the game, and <clears throat> if you make a mistake and you're immediately benched, you know, well, first of all, you have less guys to play, and right. second of all, you don't get a chance to learn from your mistake and move forward. Instead, you got to sit there and eat it. And it sounds like they are much better off. Yeah, and I mean, as as a player myself, like when you. You know, not to say that my experience is anywhere near these guys's, but I felt like I got better in adulthood by leaps and bounds in comparison to like high school. And, uh, you know, when I, when I started playing in, you know, club co- hockey in college, it was nobody gave a shit. So it was kind of cool. And I was already like, you know, I could skate. So I was like able to play more minutes there. But <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't, there was no fear of getting benched or, you know, if I wanted, I, like, some, there were some games where I was like, yeah, I need to get benched because, like, I'm just getting, like, shit hammered out here. Like, <laughs> get get somebody else out there. I'm, I'm tired, right? So, you know, I think that, uh, to your point, Paul, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and then also, Andy, to yours, like, there's, uh, there is that, that kind of ideology around coaching in the NHL where it's just like, Oh well, if you did this a hundred times in practice, why can't you do it in game speed when there's yelling fans telling you to shoot and and also this dude's trying to really kill you, not in a practice situation, right? Yeah, and again, I think players play the game differently. They come from different backgrounds, and obviously, the National Hockey League is very fast, and uh, it requires you to be very decisive and quick thinking. But again, I, I mean to to bring up more david quinn weirdness uh leas anderson is now who's a rangers seventh overall pick uh in was that 2017 um who is now with the la kings he was you know asked requested a trade and there was a very messy divorce with the new york rangers (laughs) over that uh a big thing was apparently david quinn was always harping on his body language and you know like but on the ice like he saw him standing up where he always wanted him to be on his toes and crouched and ready 
Right. And Lee Sanderson isn't a, the strongest skater. He's not a very fast guy, or at least he wasn't at the time. Mm-hmm. But I thought the one thing that I liked about him is that he was pretty smart. He was one of those guys because he wasn't fast, but he somehow always arrived at the right spot on time because he would kind of survey how plays were break were developing and he would go there early. So he, a lot of times he would just kind of stop survey and move. But I mean, David Quinn, that for some reason drove him crazy. Cause obviously he's one of those guys like you'd see players like Brett Howden, who's now no, also no longer with the Rangers, who is now in, um, in, uh, I guess he was with the golden Knights, but he's a guy who a kid, who would always keep his feet moving and he was big and it looked like he was trying really hard. But again, he was, it's almost like he was working too hard to get to like going nowhere fast. You know what I mean? It's like a guy like Leo Anderson might have to stop moving, look up and be like, you know what? I see this happen. I'm going to go here so I can maybe wait for a puck to get rimmed and I can kind of pick it off. And, there's obviously the truth in the middle somewhere because I think obviously Leah Anderson would probably have to get a little bit more engaged, and I, I see that he has, but it was something that was probably going to come. And meanwhile, a kid like Brett Howden like would a lot of times plays would die on a stick because even though he was a, a big kid for his size and had good wheels and would keep his feet moving, he would get the puck and he would just kind of run himself into the corner and get kind of rubbed out in the boards and nothing and plays would die on his stick. So, right. Yeah. It's just weird. Again, the players are going to, they have different strengths and skill sets and they're going to approach the game differently and play. And yes, you obviously want to have a team identity for how you want to play. But at the same time, if someone wants to, I think a, a lot to Matt Zuccarello, who's obviously having great success in Minnesota with uh, the Nashville predator or excuse me, Nashville, and with the wild right now, playing with Kaprizov and, there's a lot of, you know, he's a guy who likes to play east or west, but he it's good when you have a team that has a north-south mentality, but you throw one guy who can kind of stir the pot. And, uh, you know, even Oshie reminds me of that, a guy who oh, yeah. likes to weave, weave around a little bit and slow the game down and kind of play. And and stuff like that, if you have a mix of both players who can, uh, you know, play hard north-south hockey and attack the net and, and really try to, bear, you know, forecheck like a motherfucker, and then you have a guy who can slow the game down and kind of get people out of position i think that works beautifully so yeah it's just yeah I, there's a reason i guess that you know quinn uh just probably wasn't a good fit for this team but who knows maybe in his next uh, stint somewhere if he ever gets a chance he'll probably have learned from his uh his his foils the foibles i should say yeah and i mean everything that you're saying screams to me adam oates you know um adam oates was very much like that i mean he was trying to like change players sticks uh you know the lie, you know, he wanted, I remember watching an interaction. He was mic'd up in practice and he was like, you know, you're a man child, uh, Tom Wilson. I, I need you to be instead, instead of having this lie where you're a little bit more hunched over, I'd like to see you get a lie on your stick that is, <clears throat> um, puts you more upright. And I could give a shit. I mean, as a player, I could give a shit fucking less about my curve, but you start fucking with the lie of my stick. And that is like some serious, you know, if, yeah. if you bring the, I, I'm already trash hands, right? So if you bring, if you bring the puck close, you know, I like to keep the, keep the, um, puck out way in front of me. You know, I play defense. I like a long stick. I like to keep it, you know, <laughs> I like a long stick, but you know, I like to keep it, you know, out in front of me, right? So I can see the puck and survey. If you put that puck, you know, and they say like, well, if you have a, of a, of a, um, more drastic lie, you're going to be able to stick handle a lot better. The puck is closer in on you, but I have never found that to be the case. I'm, I'm very much like Mike Green out there having like the stick, like, you know, or the puck like 10 feet in front of me while I'm stick handling it. And, you know, I, I just, uh, 
I, these guys have been playing, like you said, they've been playing since M6, right? Uh, I think at this point in the NHL, and Barry Trotz had it right on the head, man. The NHL is not a development league. You need to be, you, you know, you have to work with, you're not molding clay. You've already got like fully bronzed figurines that you've got to move around in the NHL. And to your point, you know, I guess, I guess that's enough about David Quinn and his, his, his <laughs> deep baby blues, but, uh, you know, interesting stuff. And I mean, and, and it sounds like you're, you're on board with Gallant. And, um, you know, I think Camps fans were very, very much on the Gallant train. And we were like, Paulie and I were like, no, we need Laviolette because that was the two, you know, guys. Because, you know, Lavi's the guy that can come in and take your team to a final in year one or th- one to three. Gallant has done it once with like a brand new upstart team. And, you know, there was like chips on shoulders and he had a lot of stuff working for him. But as far as, you know, it seems like Gallant's kind of a, he seems kind of like a player's coach as well, but in a different way, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, if you listen to uh, the uh, Missing Curfew podcast, uh, I guess Gallant had a few of those guys. He probably had uh, at least Scotty Upshaw on his team. So he was he actually was on their podcast, and they he's clear, like, most of his former players love him. Uh, a lot was made of when he got fired in Florida with in, when they were in Carolina with the, with the they called him a taxi and all that stuff. But the players loved him, and it's you know you ask fans of all of the Golden Knights and you ask fans of the Florida Panthers, and yeah, they they all say the same thing. It's like, oh man, yeah, we love Gallant, and we don't really know why he was fired. Right, like we had a kind of a rough stretch, but then you kind of hear that Gallant. His problem he's, has always kind of been fr- friction with uh, behind the scenes with the general manager or team presidents, and that he maybe makes it vocal of what he needs to or wants to work with. Um, I can see that for and, sure. Yeah, and for they, sure. And, yeah, and I, I, I'm, say, I'm not saying it's like Mike Keenan level where he's uh, playing weird fucking mind games with with everyone, right. uh, including the broad, the broadcast announcers for because he's there. He's a control freak, but right. you know, I think he just makes it vocal if they make a move and he's like, I don't, you know, I like that guy. I needed that guy. Why'd you get rid of this guy? Or you know, yeah. or I need this guy. I need more of these guys. So I think he's like one of those guys, but he seems very matter of fact, and he seems like he's definitely a players' coach because the, the players seem to love him. And what I've seen since he's got here is. You know, he when things go great, he's like, you know, yeah, he's like, please, he kind of, he's never too high, never too low. So like when things are going great, he's like, yeah, you know, we did good. There's some things we can clean up, but it's it's good. And then when things are bad, he's like, yeah, we certainly need to do a better job of that. And that's it. He leaves it at that. He doesn't really like harp on it. And he's clearly, like I said, he's like, he wants the players. He keeps saying, you know, I want him to go out and have fun and play hockey and. You know, he's got to be better, but he knows it. I don't have to tell the kid. He knows it. Like, he's just very matter-of-fact, and he protects his players, I think, because he's obviously, you know, a former player himself, although a yeah. lot of coaches in the league are, but, or he, you know, had a pretty good career in the National Hockey League with Detroit and so a few other teams. But, uh, yeah, he's very – I've noticed he protects his players a lot in press conference because, obviously, the, the, the media is always kind of looking to harp on something. It's like, this person has struggled, or they need to score a goal, or they need to be better, or you, you lessen their ice time. And then he'll immediately go to bat for him and that said player and then, you know, maybe tell the media they don't know what they're talking about. Like, we've had discussions that's between me and him and, like, you know, he knows it's all right. And he's, he's you know, sometimes it's good for a kid just to sit. And if a guy sits for a game, he's usually back in the next game, too. I've, I've noticed that with him where he's not, like, 
He's like, you know, I just said, you know, he's, he's going to watch from the press box. Sometimes it's take good to step away, and then we get him back in there. And he's very much that. It's always framed very positively. And yeah, yeah. I, I guess obviously the proof is in the pudding at this point, where with the Rangers' record and that uh, that seems to be working because they are, again, it, they're in a good spot. But do I really think they're a team that's as good as their record is? Probably not. But again, <laughs> I don't think they're super far off. And I think the only reason they're flirting with it is because he's really he's very good at coaching the team that's in front of him and getting he takes it one game at a time and he's very good about like I said never too high never too low case by case basis and they've gotten good performances at key times because he knows when to push buttons and how to you know he knows how to gently uh, fluff guys I guess for lack yeah. of a better time <laughs> well hey you know what a lot less has won, has won Stanley Cups in this league I mean look at the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins right uh, speaking of winning, though, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook na- na- ugh, na- app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. So our uh, contractual obligations have been have been alleviated and, and sustained here. Uh, Andy, I know that you do it. How do you do your ad reads, man? Do you just, do you do like what we do? Like just spring them on people? Cause that's what we like to do. I've, I've done it a few different ways, James and I, sometimes they will be on off the cuff and uh, with a segue, you know, and speaking of winning or this or that, or, yeah. you know, this episode, we, so I'll do that sometimes. Uh, and sometimes, I'll we'll do that and then I'll listen back and I'll cringe at how bad it is and then I'll just cut it I'll cut it out in post and I'll just put a pre-recorded uh, ad read by me with like a nice little uh, music sweeper so you know that this is a different segment right but but you know it's been it's been uh, it's been good and bad it's it depends on some days I I'm clearly feeling it and sometimes James and I record our podcast early in the morning and I haven't had my coffee and I'm umming and pausing like this and uh and i listen back and i cringe to myself at how bad it comes off so so yeah so like i said it's uh try a different a few different ways but uh yeah uh it's always it is always fun and sometimes you know to put on uh my radio voice right absolutely which you have a brilliant one but um you know the thing for us is uh you know i everybody you berlansky at tip of the iceberg you all do such a good job of producing your podcast. We basically just like reduce ambient noise and let it rip. And then if it sucks, we just move on. I, I mean, I, I don't really even, Paulie, do you even listen to our podcast? You son of a bitch. <clears throat> uh, you know, before I joined Capture, I listened to every episode. So three months. Uh, I think I listened to us every episode for about a year. And now, no. 
I've actually been listening to Hockey Hound. Oh, okay. Or no, Hockey Hotbed, Nick Berlansky. Oh, yeah. Dude's a beauty. Um, yeah. And, you know, hey, Andy, you know, speaking of guys who've, who've used this experience to catapult it into a career, Berlansky's right there. He's in D.C. now doing uh, wow, doing sports stuff. Yeah, he's, he's in a real city, you know. Well, working well good for him and i heard he got engaged a couple uh months ago too right he did he did i, did I get so. that wrong yeah no no he did and, uh yeah so shout out nick berlansky okay. congrats keep doing yeah. keep doing you we will overlook the world your, the balls right now yeah yeah we'll overlook your you know innate human character flaw of liking the pittsburgh penguins i mean you know it's probably one of the worst things a human can do but we like you, so you know if that's not an endorsement for, for you know world peace, I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> it's definitely a better endorsement than than Paulie's endorsement of Capture Podcast, the official <laughs> Capture Podcast. <laughs> I, you know, it reminds me of the quote at the end of Miracle. Yeah. Oh. I live it, so I don't need to watch it. Wow, Paulie, you're just so fucking deep, so cool. deep, but. I know you, so yeah, I know I it's got just you're lazy. Right yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, other teams and such, you know, I was looking at the standings as we started the interview, and you know, just to see where you guys were. And you're in third for anyone listening who isn't familiar. Um, <clears throat> which team in the Metro? I know the the Rangers have quite a few rivalries, um, given the fact that they have one of the longest histories in the league. As a fan, which team do you enjoy to see crash and burn the most? <laughs> well, it's been a very enjoyable season for me to see the, uh, the island. It took the Islanders, uh, how many, eight games, nine games before they got a win in their new barn, the, yeah. the UBS arena, uh, for common, more better known as uh, Fort never win. Also known as UBS stands, stands for You Beat Us Arena, and uh, you you guys all you guys will, you guys will like well like this. Uh, there's a, a picture going around of two uh, construction workers, at that, and their faces are are blurred out with like MS Paint or something, and it just and it, they're clearly Ranger fans, and it just says just two Union guys who just buried uh, a Rangers jersey at. Uh, you know, I think break groundbreaking for UBS. So there's now a rumor going around that there is a Rangers jersey buried under the foundation at the UBS arena. Um. And I, so, and it might, it might be bullshit. It probably, it probably is bullshit, but the yeah. fact that, it, that there is enough, uh, it's out there and it's like in the heads of Islander fans is just super enjoyable to me. So we got to see so what grumpy old man thinks about that. <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's him and TJ. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I I don't think it's real, but obviously it's it's been enjoyable for me to see the Rangers have success and flirt with the top spot in the Metro while um, you know the Islanders are at the 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 ass end of it, and the Devils as well. Yeah, have also they had a strong start, but they've also struggled out of the gate, and uh, yeah, so that's clearly been enjoyable. But it's funny because obviously those teams are it's all kind of about timing. So those teams are obviously two of the Rangers, uh, most natural rivalries. But that being said, I, f I find the, 
the games that have been the most heated on the ice have been the games against some of the more physical teams because now the Rangers are actually kind of playing with a little bit more spine and physicality this year. And the, that, the games that are more uh, hotly contested definitely seem to be the teams that are, are like to, you know, play a little bit with a little bit more physicality. So, you know, uh, the Predators and the Calgarys and the, you know, of the world. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see because they played the Devils and although uh, it was a close game and the Rangers won in a shootout, it wasn't really super, super physical. No. Obviously, though, every time Subban is on the ice, it, it might get a, <laughs> a little different story. But, uh, but yeah, but it's, it's just, like I said, timing's everything. So it's very strange that I feel like the, the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers, none of them can be good at the same time. It's got to be one of them and the other two are shit. And then, yeah, the well, cycle repeats itself. It's it's like what a, a, a there's like five teams in a, in a fifty mile hundred mile radius there, right? Yeah. So um and you know so we, something that we didn't cover in in the big top of the episode is that you are truly a and in, this is something that's somewhat unique and and you know we are away from this but you are in Brooklyn you are in New York City you live there mm-hmm. you've lived there uh, most of your life if not all of it. Is that correct? Well, so I grew up on Long Island. In, uh, Ooh. But, but as you know, but uh, uh, there's a lot of Ranger fans in Long sure. Island because yeah. the Islanders didn't get there until the 70s. So there was a lot of just Ranger fans there. Adam Fox is a Rangers fan from Long Island. Uh, Trevor Zegers grew up a Rangers fan, I believe. Uh, he's from Long Island. Uh, okay. You know, Charlie, Mac- Charlie McAvoy was a Rangers fan from, from Long Beach and Long Island. So, And yeah, so... Uh, I would say you would think Long Island would be mostly Islander fans, but I would say Long Island is probably more of a fifty-fifty split. Interesting. They and should, so be, it would be they should be funny to canvas it and see what the actual results are. But <laughs> right. but yeah, I mean I've lived better parts of uh, since what two thousand and six. I've been in uh, Manhattan and, and Brooklyn. Okay, so. so now walk us through, and, and you know is. Feel free to take all the pot shots and shit on the Islanders that you want here. Just leave Barry Trotz out of it. Um, you know, what, it, what is this drama? So like being away from the city, obviously, you know, I've been to New York yeah. City before, but like I, so it was the Nassau was, you know, the, the stronghold and then they moved to Barclays and then they got, yeah. they hated that and, you know, Islanders fans were pissed. And now they have this new arena and where the hell, I don't even know where the fuck this arena is. Like, tell me about this. Like, why are New Yorkers so pissed off in particular Long Island or Islanders fans? Like, tell me, tell me why. I guess to psychoanalyze an Islander fan is a fool's (laughs) errand because there's something, you know, uh, there's something innately wrong with them anyway. But I'll say this. uh, I do have a lot of friends that are Islander fans. Okay. It's a team that, you know, especially the generation, because I'm, I'm in my early to mid-30s. So a lot of my friends, they were too young, and they were either were, were babies or a, a teardrop in their father's eye uh, when the Islanders were on their dynasty run. So right. they always heard about how good the Islanders were, sure. despite the fact that they were legitimately a horrible team for the most of their lives afterwards. Because if you think about it, uh, they were, you know, outside of maybe I can, they had a little resurgence with like Alexei Yashin and the, <laughs> in the, like the late, you know what I mean? Yashin, like, goddamn, they, you're bringing yeah. it up now. Like yeah, I mean, I'm just way trying back. to think. Yeah. But they, they weren't 
from after that, they were they were a team that pretty much struggled for the next twenty to thirty years. I mean, and you could say honestly, recently with their string under Barry, I mean, you know, they made went with John Tavares there for all the years he was there, and he was the next savior of that franchise. They what? They went to the playoffs twice. Yeah, right. They pulled, I think they uh, they played the Penguins once, and they lost in the first round, and then they played. The, the Panthers and they finally won in a first round right. for the first time in however long when they were at Barclays. I mean, they've been they they've thought, been shit for my entire life. I mean, you know, yeah. not, let's not let's not dice words here. Like, for, no, yeah, and I'm, been, I'm here. Been, they've been absolute shit. Yeah, and you, yeah, and listen, the Rangers, the Rangers. I'm not saying the Rangers are were any bastions of of exemplary hockey, but you know they. So they win in '94. Finally, after 54 years, of what Islander fans were you know ch- chanting 1940 at them. And then they get Gretzky, and they're kind of good, and but ultimately not good enough. And then the Rangers are bad; they become a country club atmosphere. And then you you kind of have a you get uh, they're bad. You know they're they're in the woods for maybe ten years, but then they're supposed to be bad. But they bring in Yager, and they have uh, Strzok and Nylander in that line single hand, and the rookie Henrik Lundqvist almost single handedly brings them to the the the, uh, the postseason. So yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Rangers at least, like most teams, have a, a life cycle like this, whereas yeah. the Islanders were just, you know, this for so long. Right. And so yeah, I mean, they obviously have already felt they feel little brother syndrome, and they're they felt like they need they need uh, some stability to have success. Meanwhile, their much is made because their arena was owned by was not privately owned; it was owned by the town of uh, I believe of Hempstead or wherever. The, the, and you're talking Nassau. You know, Nassau Coliseum was okay. the, the barn, the old barn, as they they like to call it, the mausoleum. Sure. Um, and uh, so yeah, they, they they there was always rumors, much like the Coyotes have to deal with, that the town was unhappy and they were going to renegotiate and the Islanders might lose. So obviously, Rangers fans would, would say, "You know, have fun moving to Kansas City and all this other stuff." <laughs> right. Uh, but then it happens. They they again they the, the town votes and they don't want the Islanders there, so they leave. They go to the Barclays Center. Despite two years earlier, uh, they were asked when they were building the Barclays Center, they were still at the Coliseum. They're like, hey, Islanders, do you want to come be here? If you do, we'll retrofit this uh, arena for hockey. And the Islanders are like, no, we're, there's not a chance we will be there. We, our home is Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. Right. Well, that doesn't work out. So they move in, and they're, but now the, the scoreboard is off because it wasn't retro. When they built it, they didn't build it for hockey. They asked them. They said, we will make it to accommodate you if you want to show interest in coming here right and they said no so that and then obviously you have the whole situation where you have a, a you know like a, a car on the glass honking <laughs> that they call it or whatever the off the offset <laughs> scoreboard so and obviously they're not good there they they go they win one round and wait 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 wait, wait. Then, so 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 that the barclays is in brooklyn barclays is in brooklyn so obviously and- islander fans are upset because they're used to you know jumping on uh whatever want you know the Hempstead Turnpike and just driving 15 to 20 minutes to to the park to tailgate at uh, Nassau Coliseum now they have to jump on a train which kind of reminds them a of taking a train to Madison Square Garden when the Islanders would play the Rangers so that pisses them <laughs> off already you know a lot of them live in the area now they have to to take a train there it's annoying for them and again, the team's still not good because obviously, if you're good, it kind of solves a lot of problems, right? But right. Uh, you know, they have maybe one year of moderate success. They're slightly better, but then the next year they look bad again. And John Tavares, who has been there for uh, you know close to 
10 years already of his career. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say wasted, but you know, he, so he's like, fuck this. I'm out of here. He's like, I love Star Wars. I love, I love Star Wars episode one and the Toronto Maple Leafs. See you. Let's smell you later. So he leaves uh, with it. So the Islanders now call him snake pajama boy. And, you know, yeah. you know, they just, they just feel like the world is always kicking them down. And then there's all this talk about eventually they're going to build them their own home arena. That's actually their home. And they do. And so obviously UBS has finally opened. But obviously, as you can see this season, uh, between getting hit with COVID and starting your first, what, 15 or however many games on the road is a kiss of death. And they sure. kind of limp their way to their home opener and they proceed to lose their first whatever game. So now the Islanders are, I think they're last in the Metro, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And uh, obviously is... the Rangers are close to the top. So yeah. I'm, I'm obviously happy, but it's just <laughs> uh, they clearly. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's always some, they won't admit to themselves that, and I don't want to sound harsh here. They won't admit to themselves. Like obviously, I will say Lou Lamorell is the best, and I say he's the best and the worst thing that has happened to this organization right now because he's the best and that he brought some legitimacy to them. They've been good for the last couple of years. They've had deep runs, and I would say they were a much better team than the Montreal Canadiens. They and they were one game away from winning a Stanley Cup potentially because if they had won that game, they probably would have beat the brakes off of Montreal last year. Yeah. But again, Barry does had has nothing in the way of the roster he had in Washington. Sure. He got those you know, he got a team that actually had superstar caliber players to buy in and they they win a cup. But you know, he doesn't have an Ovechkin now. He's he's got Matt Barzell and I I would argue he's got a very I would say Sorokin's a pretty good goaltender. Sure. And he has, you know, Pollock and Pellick are good defensemen. But other than that, I mean, you know, Brock Nelson is a Chris Kreider level player, maybe. Talk shit on Anders Lee. Please just talk shit on Anders Lee. That's that's Paulie's favorite Islander there. (laughs) (laughs) Say that again. That's uh, is Paul, you a big Anders Lee guy? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He he was with Notre Dame. When they went to the Frozen Four, okay. yeah. I'm a big Notre Dame fan. Yeah, well, Anders Lee was also very, very good, but I feel like he's just showing his age. I think that's the problem with that team is that they're very old, and Lou just only likes former Devils, so you know <laughs> they, he just keeps making them older. Right. So I'll be—I wouldn't be surprised if he flips their their first round pick this year to get another, you know, old retread who he thinks can help them maybe get into the playoffs somehow. Because I mean, you guys had Chara last year, and I, 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 most Caps fans that I know were saying Chara is absolutely cooked. Like <laughs> he's got a, you know, he should probably hang him up. I and mean, yet Lou is like, no, that's the guy I need on <laughs> to, to balance my third pairing. You know, so I thought Chara had a resurgent year with the Caps, but he was still a bottom four liability. You know, he was yeah. a bottom four at best, right? And really, let's let's be honest, he was a third pairing defenseman. Um, he he brought a lot of accountability to the locker room that really didn't need much. Um, so, you know, he, he was, he played his role and there's a reason we didn't resign him. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cause the guy's obviously a legend has been an excellent player for a long time, you know, so obviously he's winding it down now, but uh, yeah, I just think that's a team that doesn't, that team locker room is full of guys like Chara who, because they have a lot of former captains and they're an older team and they they have self accountability, but at some point you got to get skill in that lineup. And I guess Lamorello, you know, I guess the Islanders have really they they made their bed with having a, a workman like 
roster. So I don't know how many times I've watched. I've watched quite a few Islander games this season, and I watched Matt Barzell do something brilliant with his excellent skating because he is actually a true has superstar game breaking oh, yeah. talent. He makes a pretty move, and then he gets it to someone else who just kind of like stands there, watches him do something nice. He makes the pass to them, and then they just rim it on the boards, and hopefully someone will pick it up. Like just, just killing all that offensive flair and creativity. You right. know what I mean, which just has to be frustrating. So, and I listen. I think Islander fans know this. They need to get inject more youth and skill into their lineup, but they're also having problems because, uh, like you said, Barry is much more of a. I need. I have bronze pieces where, oh, yeah. you know, I don't know, you know, listen, guys like Oliver Wallstrom have excellent lethal shots, but at the same time, they need to learn how to play, you know, I don't know, they have to learn how to play. So, and you would know better than I would if Barry is a good development guy for younger players. And and that's fine. They're, they're starter coaches and they're finishing coaches. And, yeah. And Barry, you know, I think, is very much a finishing coach. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't, I, I don't know, you know. Obviously, I would have, I would love to see Barry behind the Caps bench still, right? I don't, I think the the Reardon years were a fucking a god awful waste, and the Caps do this, and you know it's all about business with Leonsis, and and I I understand that, and uh, Leonsis said, look, Barry, you signed a contract, man, like you're at the last year of it. The best thing we can do is let you walk without any penalty, and they did that. Um, would I have said, listen, you dickhead. I mean, I've been saying this. Listen, you dickhead. Fucking throw $10 million a year at Barry Trotz if you want. He just won you your first fucking cup uh, after the, the quote-unquote window is closed. Right, Polly? I mean, yeah. we've been we've been staunch Barry Trotz supporters. I just think he's a really good fucking guy. Like, straight oh, he's up. A, no, he's a, you know. he's a great guy. I mean, already in Long Island, he is involved in the community. Uh, my younger brother said he he uh through a friend of his uh he went to a walk for uh, children uh, with down syndrome and i mm-hmm. think barry's son has down syndrome and yep he was there and and shaking hands with people and supporting and they had a conversation he said it was the nicest guy and he's you know so i'm um, she's a genuinely awesome human being and a good sure human, so but yeah but I, but i guess to my point is that uh right now the islanders pretty soon are gonna have to start bringing some younger guys along and maybe developing them on the go and I don't know like I said I think Barry's strength is he's a finishing coach and he's got pieces and it's 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 one thing to have one or two of those kids and then be able to but the problem is their their roster they're the oldest team in the league I I believe and they're uh, yeah a lot of their players are in the twilights of their careers and they have you know they're the the Parises and the you know the the Baileys and the Nelson, these guys are in their early to mid thirties and they're getting up there. So they're going to have to have some turnover here soon. And is he going to be the guy you want bringing these kids along? Does he have the patience to do that? Or is he going to just lean on his players? He trusts because he's going for it. But that was a huge criticism. That was a huge criticism uh, by caps fans uh, and, and analysts. I think uh, in DC was, you know, Jacob Verona was a guy that they could never really get, to go uh, and be that guy. Uh, he had an in- incredible playoff performance in 2018, and guess what? We won a cup. You know, so like, it, it, and so many things have to fall in, in perfect alignment to win a cup. And, and you know, anybody who's been watching or who's been watching hockey for a long time understands that and, and, and knows that. But uh, with with Trotz, I mean, I think that he was uh, he was perfect for the time in DC. 
him paired up with Lou Lamarillo in Long Island. You know, I think everybody's gonna, everybody, especially Long Island fans, are probably have their pitchforks and torches out right now. But look at the last three years. You know, I mean, he's done incredible things to that club just by being Barry Trotz. Uh, so. It, you know, and you know, look, hey, if I just want a cup, would I want a three million dollar raise? You're fucking right. I want ten. I'd want. I would. I would probably be blackballed from the league with the performance I put in the next year, <laughs> primarily on my ego alone. Um, so it, 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 I don't know. I guess touchy subject for us, right? Right, Paul? Yeah. yeah. It's just it. It sucks to see him go, but I, I completely understand. Barry's position, um, I lesser understand Leonsis's and his business side, but, but, you know, uh, this has become a Long Island podcast now. We, we've really, we've really gone into it, but let me, uh, let me move this thing forward. And, and it, it seems, so, you know, in our previous conversations in years past, we've talked about how great the New York Rangers have really done their rebuild. I mean, they said, hey, look, uh, we're going to do these things. Lundquist, you know, and we have like such strong ties now with, with the Rangers, uh, with Lundquist coming to, to <laughs> DC and then having this in- wild heart condition. And now he's, he's kind yeah. of, you know, on, he's now in, uh, you know, another pretty face on the, uh, announcing crew or the analyst crew, which is exactly where he belongs. You know, if he's not playing hockey, it's yeah. great. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it just, it, it's crazy because if this keeps up, you know, we might see each other in the playoffs. And, and, but, but before that, I do, because we're kind of coming here on the end, I have to touch on it, man. Like, Cavs fans yeah. want to know. And, and I know that immediately after the Tom Wilson situation, we got yeah. on a Metropolitan Division podcast last year and, and, and you were very, you were very abated in your response. But then I went okay. and listened to your <laughs> to, to the Broadway Boys podcast immediately following that, and you were much more heavy-handed with your criticism okay. on Tom Wilson being a fucking shitbag and things like that. So, so um, and and you know we covered it briefly about how okay it was the Islanders and and yeah I agree I think that the Penguin or I mean I think that the the Rangers needed to get a little bit stronger a little bit more physical at least have a guy that that can show some sort of accountability um and it's worked out for you but like yeah. in that position particularly in the heat yeah. of the moment the the statement everything like were you on board with that shit like the whole insane a- or the the act of incredible violence and it, it, and you know it scared me because I was like, this is a team that is clearly trying. At, at the time, it seemed they were definitely trying to build around skill. I mean, their best players at the time were Adam Fox, Mik- uh, Artemi Panarin, and, and Mika Zibanejad, who are not physical guys at all. Right. You know, so you kind of it's it struck me at first. I was like, oh boy, like this is you know I. And early in the season, even with a new coach, you know, the, the, the Rangers lose their first two games uh, to the Caps and then to, to Dallas. And it's a new system and they have new personnel and they've always kind of played a very pond hockey style of hockey and because which has been good for them. And they've had some success in regular seasons, you know, uh, because 
it's there's more ice and then but obviously things tighten up and anytime they were whether they were facing the hurricanes in the bubble uh or they would play some like playoff teams bound teams like the islanders they would kind of get and and there was less time and space available they would you know they would get smothered and they couldn't they were ineffective and limp and couldn't do anything so obviously at the at the time with the tom wilson thing i was obviously angry because what was me (laughs) what was my team no and i listen what was my team and this is bullshit and they whatever and they have their response but they don't really have any fighters i think it was like brendan smith yeah and 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 true and potato and so like but whatever they they did what they have to do but they didn't do anything in the moment now for the rangers the shoe was on the other foot jacob truba is throwing hits and then guys are trying to fight him all the time and he's either has to abide jeff skinner is complaining to the refs you know (laughs) about this uh brandon muse biting people well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they got, they got, they maybe the rain, Jeff Gordon knew that, hence why he shipped them out. But that's a biter. But, um, but yeah, but now the Rangers are on the other foot, where they're the ones who are kind of exerting their will on other teams, and then you kind of, and it's kind of a harsh lesson. But I, you know, uh, Buffalo fans after they had the disallowed goal, I don't know if you've heard about this. They had a goal that was that would have been the game tying goal with in re- with a, a few seconds left in regulation. And it was deemed a good goal, but then the refs looked at it, and it was they said it was offside. But then the league apparently, after the game, looked at it and said, "Well, it was a delayed offside, and he had the chance to touch up, but since he never touched, Dolly never touched the puck or got out of the zone, it should have technically still been counted, so it wasn't an offside." Jesus. So, so yeah, it was a whole shit show basically, and the Rangers end up winning this game, but off of this goal that may or may not be Fugazi. Right. So Buffalo fans are furious the whole time because they're like, you know, they just we should have won. We were gonna, we tied that game. Like we should have won. And first of all, they were mad because uh, I think it was, I don't know, Barkley Goodrow slew footed someone in the corner, and it was a it was a dirty fucking play. I didn't really like it. If I'm being honest, I Fair thought enough. he should probably, should got fine. We didn't get, but whatever. And then meanwhile, Truba throws a big hit again, and they're trying to to fight him, and and then. Skinner skates by the Rangers bench and then they kind of grab at him so he can't get back to his own bench. He spins around. He's like, you know, he's flailing at people and you see Ryan Reeves like step over the boards and then he kind of runs back to his own bench <laughs> and he's like screaming to the ref and then they have the clip and the ref tells him to fuck off because apparently yes. and on Skinner, the Rangers yeah, yeah. tell on the Rangers radio broadcast on the Rangers radio broadcast uh, that we, uh, I think it's uh, Dave Maloney, who's a former Rangers player, does the play-by-play, or he's the color guy, and he says, you know, I've I've spoke to people around the league, and they know Jeff Skinner has a reputation for a bit of a whiner, and they're like, these guys, they don't like this guy, and I mean, the ref basically just looked at him, stern in the face, and said, "Fuck off!" Like right. he's almost like the boy who cried wolf, where it's yeah. always woe is me. Sounds like and me at beer kinda, league, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to 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 basically put a bow on this. I you kind of I've had this realize that listen man the NHL whether we like it or not is lord of the flies and it obviously you hate you hate Tom Wilson when he's not on your team you hate Brad Marchand when he's not on your team you hate all these guys when they're not on your team but then when you have them and you're winning games and you're exacting your will on other teams it's great so yeah. I again it's like it is what it is it's you know at the end of it a lot of there's there's I think, you know, I we hockey fans and obviously some pundits and new wave hockey people definitely try to instill it that it's a static game and if your underlying numbers are good and whatever, it's all going to... The good teams are always going to win and whatever. Yet we, we just yeah. saw a Montreal Canadiens team bully 
there or at least you know get great goaltending and play a smothering game even though on maybe on paper they weren't the best team that should have sure. been there but they made it to the cup final right and then you had a, a high-powered colorado avalanche team last year who was better on paper and then vegas said you know what fuck this and started being you know bringing them to the corners and just beating them down and then they beat them and right. they got and i think even mika ranton said is that yeah they started getting physical with us and we had no answer you yeah. know what i mean that type of stuff i so, mean it's 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 a it's a pure tell me you never played hockey without telling me you never played hockey and and i i hate to like bring that trot that fucking well yeah. you know you've never played so you don't know anything about the sport that's not what i'm saying but it's just that i am also saying that <laughs> fuck it i'm just gonna say yeah, you know well, i am also saying yeah, that but you know you know what it, you know what it is i think it's that it's maybe there is a you know i and i listen i i'm a big proponent of of things like analytics and i do think that sure. there's some really some really uh, deep-seated problems with the 1200 hockey men and the old, you know, the old boys club and all that. Oh yeah. That being said, I think there is a there is a prevalent idea that you know player like that like oh eventually things will revert to the mean and shooting right. percentage will go this or there. But I mean, it's so hockey is so much about being in the moment and luck. And maybe a guy's shooting in percentages inflated because he's feeling really good about himself, and he's just seeing the ice better. You know, right. it's just it's just things like that, or he's he's getting more physically involved because it, you know whatever his wife's mad at him. And yeah, just and over and in over seven <laughs> games that wins you a Stanley Cup. Yeah, over a yeah, hundred exactly. games. You know, yeah, you're a fucking scrub again, right, Polly? I mean, we're, we've yeah. fallen yeah. victim to that to that statistic a hundred times in, in beer league, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, I I just uh, and and you know, look, to, to the Truba hits, both clean as a whistle, incredibly good hits. That. I mean, real good. I I, I watched them both. And he had another. He had another one tonight. And I, tried I mean, to fight him again. Hey, Thomas look, Lino, you're gonna have that, and and that's what you went for, and and that's what the Rangers have done. And but you know, with with Truba out here, just and 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 then he scored a goal and went to the bench, and that you all. And I mean, that's just an all time move. You. <laughs> I, I, I fucking that, enjoy that shit. Yeah, it was it was great, man. And and again, I I obviously have time for the fact that listen, I understand that it's one of those things that by league standards, yes, that hit is clean as a whistle. Right. Uh, I do do I have time for the fact that if we want to cut to get serious about head injuries and cut down, we might have to figure out some sort of a hybrid rule like the IHF, where even if it's not the initial point of contact, yeah, maybe I'm even here for that. But obviously. And again, it's tough because when you say this, then people think you were condoning headshots and all these right. other things. Well, those and people are fucking or, idiots. I mean, that's not what I said well, at all. You know? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. Listen. Obviously, there is inherently uh, risk, but at the same time, it's not. It's obviously not worth it for a guy to to end up with lingering concussion problems and all sure. the, the horrible stuff that goes. It's not worth it. No. So yes, the league needs to. I do think that the league needs to figure out things, and I, a lot of that will come with that and technology. I, I've always wondered if eventually with helmets, you know, I don't know. I mean, look what they're putting in the pucks, a... and then now there's player tags, and you know, there there's absolutely a way to put sensors into the helmets to gather data around yeah. what is truly dangerous, and like let's dissect, like let's go into drill down yeah. and see what hit actually did cause brain damage you know there's there's absolutely that technology it's just whether the nhl is re ready to do that i mean our own martin ferriari just got up i mean that yeah. hit was straight to the head and i'm i'm sure did you see it or 
uh, in the most recent, what was it? Who, who did we play? No, I haven't seen it. Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. It was, oh no, it was the Penguins. Fucking Penguins. McGinn comes in and, yeah, okay, so if Aviari is, he just put a shot away and McGinn is going full speed right at him and clips him in the head only. And is that incidental? Who the fuck knows? I mean, uh, Tom Wilson would have been arrested already in that. And that's Jacob Trouber the same way. He would have been carted yeah. off to, uh, to local county and then probably processed for federal prison in that same night. But, you know, I, I, um, it, it, you know, I watch hockey because I like violence too. You know, it's a beautiful game. It is a violent game. It's tough to play. Uh, you know, I think that, and then, these guys are getting paid millions and, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going back. I just feel myself getting older with every, mm. every, every word that I utter here. But, you know, these, in, in, in a, in a incredibly uncontrollable scenario, which is basically you're in a dome of, you're in a gated, you know, this is hockey is the only sport which is boarded up. There is no true out of bounds, right? You get hit in football and you get hit out of bounds. You know, you, you get to, there's, you know, 15 yards in which you can slide. In hockey, you are hitting a solid structure. So if you if even if you trip and fall into another player, you are driving them unintentionally completely into the boards which could result in paralysis, death. I mean, you know, all sorts of crazy things could happen. Um but you know, what are we going to do? Take the boards away? I don't know. Uh I do think that if the NHL was serious about getting head injuries and head contact out of the game, they would treat it like a high stick. You make contact with the head, it's a penalty. It's two minutes, you know, do your best to not do that. You can't fly around anymore. Um, and I don't think that that would decrease the speed of the game or scoring or anything about on, on that line. I just think that, uh, it would, it would, it's a high stick. And in fact, it would probably increase scoring because I think that you'd probably see a lot more power plays and, and things like that. But that's just me on my yeah. tiny soapbox, right? No, I I think you're right. And, and listen, I think the hit on uh, Kara in uh, Chicago, you could argue that that was obviously a bit of a murkier one because it looks like he initially, it's it's uh, hands are down, doesn't leave his feet. It's, it's uh, shoulder to chest. But it's like Truba's helmet is kind of tucked for the hit. And then as he hits... The helmet kind of catches uh, Kara's, you know, his lower chin, and then yeah. obviously as he drives through, because a guy who was who is looking down is like this, you know, and then just kind of just it's just obviously it's a bang bang hit. It happens really quickly in the course of play, so that was obviously question. It probably could have been a penalty, but it right. wasn't. But it could have been maybe. But sure. clearly, it's you know not and at game speed, you know at game speed. Yeah. I mean that's, but, that's that looks the, like you the, just got cleaned out. Game versus, yeah, the following game versus McKinnon, that one I thought was clean as a whistle. Oh yeah, it doesn't even there's not even a debate. And obviously, uh, Avs fans were very upset. I know uh, Griffin on the Tell It Avs It Is podcast was not happy. I don't know. I don't know. Griffin's a young guy. You know he's he's been watching hockey post two thousand five. Right, I think it, I, I think that's his last name is Young. But uh, yeah. no, and I like I like Griffin a lot. But I just I think I, do you too. Know, I yeah. heard a clip from their show, and I I just it, listen that was that was clean, and there was all and I'm not this wasn't him saying this, but I, right. I you know you'd see on social media a lot of Cavs fans saying, well, it's like 
well, it's like, it's clearly he's targeted and it's like, he's, you know, it doesn't matter. And people saying, if you think, agree with it, you know, unfollow me now. Cause you know, it's just like, I don't know what to tell. Like a guy, you can't skate with your head. I just, right. am I, if I look at my skates like this and I crouch down, can no one hit me? Is a, do I have a, a barrier around me where, yeah. or, you know, and you know the, the onus from the youth levels down because you know Paulie and I are somewhat still involved. You know Paulie's got some young nephews that are playing hockey, and and I've been coaching. Yeah, I've coached. I used to coach uh, kids and things. And the onus from the you know from USA Hockey, unfortunately, and I don't know how it is in Canada and and, and the European uh, nations, but the onus of the player with the puck has been almost always removed. I remember getting yeah, drilled right. from behind in high school, like a full-on body check and, you know, going head first in the boards and, you know, popping up because I have the muscle composition of an elite power athlete, just popped right up, went to the bench. Everyone was like, are you okay? Are you okay? You got to protect yourself, dude. And that was, the coach was like, you're right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And that was it, you know? And then other players are like, man, you got to learn to like get a hand up or, or protect yourself there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of the smaller guys, you'll notice they never, get hit in compromising positions like yeah. Artemi Panarin I he doesn't get hit like he might get hit but he doesn't get hit or even Adam Fox these guys don't get hit because they're smaller and they're their heads are level with everyone's elbows and right. for whatever reason they just they're always aware yeah. and they always kind of slide out of hits at the last minute or Matt Zuccarello I remember just wouldn't get hit like he would get like he'd get rubbed out or he kind of get checked but never like he would never Cleaned. get lined up yeah, I used, and you, and it's funny. You see a lot of guys that get lined up a lot. They're taller guys usually because I just think they're not used to, you know, especially if they've it's never been a problem for them with their size and their speed or whatever. But the guys who haven't, you know, or Marty St. Louis was the same way. I oh, never saw. I don't think get, that guy ever, ever got stapled the boards in his career. In his career, yeah, and because he knew I am smaller than everyone else. If I get hit. <laughs> It's not. I'm not getting pinned on my back. It's like their elbow is going to cl- clean my clock, right? Know? And they're going to love it. So, not yeah, only that, but I remember playing. It was so much harder to staple those littler guys, those little shifty guys, oh, yeah, and too, and yeah, to your they have the, the lower of gravity. Yeah, and I think that the the point that you're trying to make here is not only did they they knew I was a, I was a fucking bum trying to hit them, and they're like, yeah, this guy. I've seen him a hundred times. <laughs> Good night, <laughs> goodbye. And yeah. and uh, passed me right. I mean, Paulie, I, we talk about it all the fucking time how when when we were in college, how much harder it was to hit the little guys, right? Yeah, I mean, the, <clears throat> there's a pretty famous saying in sports: "The low man wins." Sure. So yeah, uh, yeah. And I think Nathan Gerby, he went to BC and he's played for a few teams. He's like five foot five, and you almost never see him get hit. It's wild, man. And, and you know, I used to play with some little guys who would – I know I saw them, <laughs> ankle bite guys who were three times their size, you know, ass over – you know, foot overhead, just absolutely destroy them. <laughs> I would always laugh because, you know, their pride was, you know, forever damaged on that one. And we made sure that it was going to never – they they knew. We would chirp the shit out of them. But, you know – and it's just interesting stuff, you know. And, and to, to your point, I mean, it's, it's there's there's a ton of there's a ton of caveats and detail to this to this game that I think that you know not to not to again not to be an old head here, but to say you know to 
you know, after your first decade of watching hockey, you really kind of start to see like why and when and how these things happen. And, you know, and not to discredit young, young Twitter and and young hockey fans. I love that the, the, the young, that there's young fans. And I think that this sport needs to be more accessible. Um, but you know, all, all good. uh, I mean, this is where the conversation starts. People want immediate change and it never happens that way. Right. I mean, in anything in life. So this is, this is a good conversation to be having for sure. Um, no, absolutely. But you know, Andy, I could, we could talk to you here for fucking three more fucking hours. I just love talking (laughs) hockey with you. Uh, it's been good stuff. And we obviously, we had to cover the Tom Wilson stuff, but I mean, you know, why don't you, why don't we wrap it up with, uh, you know, what, what's the, what's the outlook for the Rangers here? I mean, they're, you know, the Caps, the Rangers, and the Carolina Hurricanes. Have you played the Canes yet? Uh, we, they haven't played the Hurricanes yet. Oh, so shit. That'll be interesting when it happens. Uh, and I, I feel a mini sl- you know, I think the Igor, the Rangers should be getting Igor back, who has, you know, missed a few games with injury. Although, mm-hmm. I will say, Guriev has been good in his absence. Yeah. But, Picked him um, up on fantasy. Yeah. Did it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I feel, and in our podcast that drops, if you're watching this live, the po- our podcast that drives, drops tomorrow morning, uh, my co-host James is, I'm always, I'm forever an optimist and he's forever a pessimist, so obviously the truth is somewhere in the middle, but he, he thinks <laughs> that the Rangers, he thinks the Rangers are going to go through a mini slump now based on that they've been pretty much hot and good for an overachieving for a little bit here, So, but he also thinks it'll be the best thing for them in the long run. Sure. Uh, I disagree. I, I blame their loss, uh, their one-zero loss to the Predators tonight on him. Uh, James, <laughs> you you you, real, you really fucked us here, but uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's yeah. It'll be interesting to see because obviously Igor has been a great equalizer for them. Uh, they've had good goaltending this year. They've been beneficiary of that. But yeah, it's their schedule is going to be tough here and out. They're going to play. Uh, the abs again here shortly after getting embarrassed, although the abs have just been murking teams left and right recently. So, yeah. but they've yeah. also been al- allowing a lot of goals. Their goaltending has been absolute horrible. So tonight they know. just, uh, and, and, they beat the hot Florida Panthers on a Burkowski hat trick. X cap there. Yeah. Wow. There he had a hattie. Jesus Christ. You know, and, and you know what? To, to your, to, we covered this a little earlier too. You know, sometimes you just gotta let the things that you love go. And do they thrive in other situations? Absolutely, right? Yeah. I mean, the Caps are totally victim of that. Verona and Burakovsky being the most recent, you know, uh, iterations of that. But you know, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Hap- you know, and it, you just kind of have to make sure you're looking at it from both sides. Because I could be upset with that, but at the same time, it's like the Rangers got Ryan Spooner as a throw-in in a trade, and then they flipped him for Ryan Strom. And Ryan Strom has been a, a, a 60 plus point center for Panarin for the last, and even before Panarin got here, he was like a 50 point guy. So, right. Yeah. So sometimes you're the beneficiary of it. And sometimes, uh, you know, you, your players you love leave and they, they thrive in greener pastures, it seems. And you're I'm, sad, but yeah, you know. I'm overjoyed for Burakovsky to finally, cause we all, we all, all Caps fans knew that this dude was ready to like break out and be a legitimate top six forward in the league. Uh, but he just was never able to do it with DC because look at that top six, you know. So, yeah, and it's it's just funny. Some guys it just takes them a long time. I mean, the Rangers had Duclair, and he uh, as a they draft him. He was a rookie there, but they they trade him to for a kick at the can. 
for maybe I don't know Eric Stahl or someone dumb. I forget who they traded for him. Or Yandel or something stupid. I think it was for Yandel actually. So they sent him to <laughs> yeah. to Arizona. Arizona, and then he's not so good there. And then he's what he was in uh, Ottawa or no, he was in Columbus. And then he's like Torres doesn't really like him. And they sent him to Ottawa, and then he actually finally has a good season, and now he's a great top. You know, he's a great right. player for the, the the Cats, and it took him four teams. It's it, same same story with J T. Miller, who gets traded to Tampa. And it just doesn't really work out for him. He's better, but still kind of a, a, you know, they don't like his demeanor, much like the Rangers did. And so then they send him to Vancouver and he finally grows up. Oh, I'm a bit of a, you know, I need to grow up here a bit. And he becomes a great player for them. So, yep. you know, you can't you can't really control it. it is what it is. It's just the nature of the of the hockey business. But, yeah, you're happy. You're always just try to look at it uh, objectively from both sides. So and just be happy for those players because, you know. Yeah, it's uh, at least you know. Take it that your scouting department did a good job, and you know it is what it is. Just, Absolutely, you, they weren't on your your team's timetable. That's and that's all you can say. You know, no doubt, no doubt. Um, all right, well, Paul, you got any questions here for Andy? Yeah, just one quick one. Um, I kind of have this theory, and I just want to see you know where you stand on it. Not super familiar with the basketball teams, but I have this theory that mm-hmm. Ranger fans are. Mostly Yankee and Giants fans, and Islanders are Jets and Mets fans. Do you see any consistency with that, or am I an outsider who's very off base? I would say, for the most part, you are correct. Uh, although I myself and my co-host James are uh, we're Rangers, Mets, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, we're Rangers, Mets, and then. Uh, uh, what am I forgetting? The football. football. Oh yeah, we're we're, we're Rangers, uh, Jets, and Mets. So okay. Uh, fun fun fact: my my father actually played for the New York Jets in the late eighties. Wow. Um, Damn. So I didn't have I didn't have a choice in the matter. But, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, but also the reason they're bad is because he had a bad knee injury, and they they third stringed him, and my grandmother put a Sicilian curse on them. <laughs> been bad ever since. So. Just like true, the Barry true, Jersey. True, up, true story. But um, but yeah, no, you're you're mostly right. It's usually if you're you're a Ranger fan, you're a Yankee fan, uh, and you're a, a a Giant fan. Um, and then you know, I obviously most people on Long Island are not most, but you're you're usually a, a Mets fan, uh, Mets, Jets, and Islanders. So that's I think you're I think uh, Paul, I think you're absolutely correct that that is the norm. But there are obviously outliers uh, here and there, you know. I mean, but then there's like the really freakish people that are like, if you're an Islanders, if you're Islanders, Yankees, uh, Jets, you were like, you were, I don't know, you're like an albino <laughs> gorilla. You were like very rare. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are you? You know, it's that's it's because you know it's weird because obviously a lot can be made. You know, the Islanders, Mets. Uh, and Jets, there's a lot of like second fiddle syndrome, so it kind of makes sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas you could maybe argue that with Rangers, Yankees, and the Giants, there's a lot of air of superiority that where maybe the, the Yankees are the only team that has actually earned that air of superiority, you know? Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, you you do see some weird cross pollination every now and then. So, and I'm definitely in that camp because uh, even though I like the Rangers, I'm also a a Mets and a Jets fan, so, uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, Paul, you're absolutely right. That's a anthropological uh, survey. Pretty good. 
<laughs> well, I did get a a degree in social sciences. Well, that's there you go. Uh, you know, specialized in other stuff, but it breaks down to social sciences. Yeah. But as a Raider fan in West Virginia, I can relate to the uh, outliers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we're both Caps fans in, in Penguin territory in this sense. So yeah, absolutely, we we know we know the pain for sure. But uh, He's this is been a good fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this has been a uh, in, incredible conversation, both on on hockey at large and the anthropological, uh, I guess, distinctions of the f- the very complex New Yorker, if you will. Learning never stops. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, look, we've been we've been droning on for like an hour and a half, damn near. So, uh, Andy, man, like, just tell everybody where where we they can find you. Give a shout out to James, who I don't think we've had. Have we? We have yet to have yeah, him on. No, he we we were both on. You were your pandemic, uh, your post hockey oh. apocalypse episode. We were both. That's on. right. Oh, yeah. That's right. And that was that was a beauty too. And and you know, folks. Uh, James, not to not to, you know, n- n- take you down a notch there, Andy. But James was quite the competitive hockey player in his heyday. Is that right? Oh was, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, he he was good. Uh, he played at Siena. He played at uh, Kent. Uh, was it Kent State Prep? Or was it? He, he's going to kill me if I get it wrong. He, you know, <laughs> he, I, he played at prep school. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think with with people like uh, Max Pacioretty and. Jonathan Quick and these type of people, and he's faced a lot of. He's pl- played, yeah. You know, he's played against a lot of former NHLers, and yeah, he's a. He doesn't play much hockey anymore, but he, you know, he every once once every couple of years he decides to th- strap the skates on, and he's just like instantly the best player on the ice. So he's, you know, he's he's legitimately good player, you know, and played high level hockey, and uh, yeah. So, but again, uh, he'll be happy. I'm pumping his tires right now, but um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's no, he's a listen, and I'm a I'm just a scrub who taught himself to play hockey in his like early twenties, you know, as an adult. Like I never played, uh, I didn't play uh, organizational hockey growing up. I was just like always watched hockey first, and I was like, you know what, this sounds fun. So I like I was like that guy uh, (laughs) at at like the learn to skate, trying to be like, oh, you know. (laughs) So, but uh, you know, it took and it took a couple years, but yeah, I just you know sooner or later you you start playing the game you love, and it's a lot of fun. So. It's never, Absolutely. it's never, that's my, it's never too late. That's my message to anyone listening out there. If you vote, if you like watching hockey uh, and you've always wanted to play, but you figure, oh, well, I, I didn't play as a kid or you know, whatever, I'm too old. That's, that's horseshit. It's a lot of fun. Just buy a pair of skates, get out there, go to your, you know, do what you got to do. Go to your public skates first and get comfortable on your skates and then go from there. Sign up for a class and it's all, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, beer league is like, you know, Polly, beer league is like your only social interaction other than this podcast. So, without beer league, well, you'd be a hermit. Yeah, I probably would be. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny in uh, being a blue collar guy who works in the entertainment industry. There's actually a lot of like good former hockey players that we cross paths with, or sure. guys who played. And uh, you know, you also play on men's league and, and drop in, and you see guys that were played high level hockey elsewhere but all roads lead to beer league no matter That's if true. you're in the show or if you were you know yeah. a, wa- high, a high school washout it, it's true you everyone ends up there doesn't matter when but you'll end up there one day so it's uh you know so again it's uh it's never too late so you too can uh 
can sit in a locker room and just drink Rolling Rock with a bunch of smelly strangers. So yeah, absolutely, and it's and it's amazing. It's a good time. So uh, okay, so so Andy, let's wrap this up. <laughs> you know, uh, tell us tell us where we can find you. Uh, so you can follow the Broadway Boys podcast at Broadway Boys Pod on Twitter. Uh, I have a personal account on Twitter, but I don't really tweet much from it. I mostly just, me and James tweet from the at Broadway Boys Pod. So yeah, follow us there. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, but we haven't used it much lately. But we do plan on using it again to do more videos, much like I'm doing right now with you fine gentlemen right now. So, But we're on Instagram, uh, same Broadway Boys Pod on Instagram. Uh, yeah, Broadway Boys uh, Pod on uh, YouTube and Broadway Boys Pod on Twitter. So yeah, uh, hit us up. Even if you're a Caps fan or you have a question or whatever, you just want to chirp James and I and then rub it, you know, the, the the Caps being ahead of us right now in our faces, that's fine, too. We can take it. We have, we're thick skin. So just do that. So, yeah, uh, it's been a lot of fun, boys. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I had a blast. Absolutely. It's always just, like, such a good time talking to the OG THPN guys and, uh, you know, getting on here and, and, you know, just love it. Love it, man. Love you, dude. Thanks a lot. Um and until next time, we'll be talking to you on Monday. But Caps fans, again, give them a follow. Always know thy enemy. We could be seeing them in the playoffs, most likely, you know, if, if we make it past the first round for the first time in a while. Uh, I, I would hope that uh, a Rangers-Caps series may be hearkening back to the yesteryear of, of really good, you know, Brad Richards ruining our hopes here. 2014. Uh, 2014 and, and Those years. you know, going up against, and they have a new, they have a new goaltender and, and Shesterkin. So, uh, you know, Lundqvist has been somewhat replaced, not in, not in the hearts, but uh, definitely on the ice, I'd say. So, um, until Monday, Caps fans, Hockey Trail, Poly Cupcakes, Andy Hammond, Signing off. Bye. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Trip podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow me, Polly Cupcakes, at Cupcake Polly on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.